0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Florida Fish and Game. If you've got a giant croc problem, call Florida Fish and Game and they'll take care of it. By taking care of it. Under the with the in and Come at the grand light, making a
1: the smell of death is on the
2: rim. And when the
0: cold wind blows. No one cares, Hello, my name is Chris.
2: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's a recommendation week on Pod Cemetery with 1999's Lake Placid and 2020's host. Now, originally, this was also supposed to be a guest week, but our potential guest, Jessie, is so close to having her child, and we were cutting it very, very close. Apparently, we cut it just a little bit too close. She's resting up in anticipation of her due date and won't be able to join us. So this episode goes out to Jessie, so thank you very, very much, and we'll get you on the show as soon as possible, and uh, we're really looking forward to seeing you again.
2: And looking forward to meeting your son. Yes. But also, this was recommended to us by our friend David.
0: Yes, so shout-outs to David as well. Thank you very much for recommending these. I had actually not seen either one of them before this.
2: Yeah, I thought I had seen Lake Placid, but apparently I had not.
0: It's one of those things that you know a lot about. You've seen all those clips of... Betty White, you know. (laughs) So getting right into it, let's talk about 1999's Lake Placid, directed by Steve Miner of Friday the 13th Parts 2 and 3 fame, also House, Halloween, H2O, and Day of the Dead. We've covered his movies on the show a couple times already, and there's still a few more to get to. Also written by David E. Kelly, otherwise known as Michelle Pfeiffer's husband. Oh, interesting. He is responsible for L.A. Law, Chicago Hope, which explains why Adam Arkin is in this and is uncredited. Uh, The Practice, Ally McBeal, Boston Legal, all those type of shows. This is way out of his wheelhouse. (laughs) And starring Bridget Fonda, Bill Pullman, Oliver Platt, Brendan Gleeson, and Betty White. I was thinking, wow, it's been a long time since we've seen Bridget Fonda in anything and it turns out that she basically stopped acting in 2002 or thereabouts. So she got into a really bad car crash, apparently. And then she married Danny Elfman. And then she never acted again.
2: Good for her on marrying Danny Elf.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so hopefully she's living her best life and not having to worry about, you know, when her next gig is. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: hopefully that's what she wants. But she's great. Love Bridget Fonda. What is Lake Placid about?
2: A gigantic crocodile starts eating people.
0: In Maine, of all places. Yes, in Maine. The movie is available if you have a subscription to Starz, DirecTV, or Spectrum On Demand. You can rent it for $4 or buy it for about $13, but it is only $8 on Amazon, Google, and YouTube. Should people watch Lake Placid?
2: I am so sorry, David, but I do not see any reason why anyone should watch this movie.
0: It's very unessential. It is just cliche after cliche. And I can understand. I was talking to you about this before. I can understand why somebody might, this might be somebody's like comfort movie. Like, I get that. A YouTuber I follow just posted a video about comfort media. And, like, things that feel familiar and how there's value there. And, like, yeah, I get that element of this. But this, don't come to this movie for the novelty. uh, Because there is basically none. There's no novelty in this movie whatsoever.
2: Yeah, there is absolutely nothing about this movie that is... Unique or fresh or interesting or different,
0: even for 1999. Like not I to understand it is over 20 bad. years old. It's not bad. That's the thing.
2: It is not bad. And, well, I think the crocodile looks stupid, but the be- the movie is not poorly made. No, the acting is uninspired. It's okay, but so is the. They're working writing. with
0: some bullshit yeah. writing. Yeah, stick to TV, David Kelly.
2: And Bill Pullman overacts, but that's on purpose. He's trying to be funny.
0: But that's Bill Pullman. Whenever you cast Bill Pullman, you should never be surprised with what you get. (laughs) He gives you the same thing every time. Old, reliable Bill Pullman. (laughs) (laughs) And that's fine. One of my all-time favorite movies is Zero Effect. Mm -hmm. And it's perfect for him. I have mastered the fine art of detachment. And while it comes at some cost, this supreme objectivity is what makes me—I dare say—the greatest observer the world has ever known. So, like you know,
2: today this is,
0: this
2: is <laughs> our we celebrate Independence our Independence Day. Independence Day.
0: Exactly. So you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1999's Lake Placid. How is it a crocodile is in New England? He's close. We'll find them. They have come to this quiet lake to study a deadly phenomenon. What is this? uncle? kind of mutant. But they are the
1: ones being watched. The ones being followed. How many deputies you got? The ones...
0: I got something on the screen. ...being hunted. Lake Placid.
1: I'm rooting for the crocodile.
0: Wait it on. No! All right, Kelsey, get us started. Where does Lake Placid begin?
2: With the... Main town cop being played by, what's his name?
0: Brendan Gleeson, he's the sheriff.
2: Doing a terrible job of hiding his accent.
0: Oh yeah, really bad, and he's gonna struggle with that through the entire movie. Every single line, you're just like, oh man, it it is trying desperately to burst out of his mouth, and he's admirably trying to keep it in check, but it is...
2: It's terrible. very obvious
0: that there's an accent under there. Yes,
2: it's <laughs> like, it doesn't sound like any kind of American accent, let right. alone a Maine accent. Right.
0: Nobody does a Maine accent in this movie, not a single person. Yeah,
2: nobody, nobody even attempts to. And they're diving in a lake. We don't ever find out why.
0: Yeah, it's one of Bill Pullman's people from Wildlife, and they're doing some sort of survey or whatever, or maybe they heard something. I don't know, it doesn't matter. But he's diving to to search for something, and he finds like a nest of some sort.
2: And it's really interesting. Is that what a crocodile nest is actually like?
0: I have no idea. I don't even know if that belongs to the crocodile for sure. It was like this. That's the implication, though. It's like
2: this pocket of air.
0: Yeah, it was like you know, almost like a dam. You know, like it was. It's built underwater, but you can you know you you're protected on all of you're protected on all sides, and the only way to get in it is through the water.
2: It's very interesting. Yeah. And Gleason is listening to, I think I love you, so what What am I so afraid of? But the only version I'm very familiar with of that song is Less Than Jake. Really? So I'm, like, I was trying to place the song and I was like, oh, I think I love you, so what am I so afraid of?
0: Right. Yeah. The ska punk version of it. (laughs) That's so funny because I don't even think it, like, I'm the Less Than Jake guy in this relationship. And I didn't even think about that. That's That's, funny. That's the version I'm much more familiar with than the slow. And why is he listening to it? Does it have any sort of relevance? Does it tell us anything about the movie, the characters, the mood we're supposed to be striking Oh, I think it's
2: absolutely striking a mood. Uh, They want you to know that this is funny. Yes. It gives you as many cues as it can to let you know that this is, I guess, absurdist. Okay, but they want it to be set in a real world, which is exactly what I wanted, yeah, from Phantom of the Paradise, okay, that's what I needed <laughs> yeah, I needed those cues,
0: and we get, we get I
2: needed to know it from the get go.
0: we get characters later, like Oliver Platt and Betty White, like I said, who kind of embody that,
2: yes, you know,
0: and they're just the characters take over. is and Oliver
2: Platt the Musketeer? Yes. Okay. That's like the, the only musketeer. thing. That is the only <laughs> thing I think of when I see him. Which musketeer was he? D'Artagnan?
0: No. D'Artagnan was Chris, Christopher. What's his name?
2: I think that's the only one of their names I know.
0: Athos, Porthos, Aramis, and D'Artagnan.
2: See, Aramis?
0: Well, because normally people say Athos, Porthos, and D'Artagnan are the three musketeers, and that's not true. <laughs> It's Athos, Porthos, and Aramis are the three musketeers, and D'Artagnan is the fourth. (laughs) He is thinking about the three musketeers that already exist, and he sort of joins them. Yes, that is on his known four. These known fours are terrible. (laughs) 2012, the three musketeers, Lake Placid, and Bicentennial Man. Is that really what you think when you think Oliver Platt people?
2: He was in Bicentennial Man? Yes. Wait is isn't he gay in something?
0: Oh, he's gay in a couple things. Yes. So here's where you might, where Kelsey might know him from. <laughs> he's in Beethoven. He's in Benny and June. He was, in fact, Porthos in the Three Musketeers. He was Paul Bunyan in Tall Tale. He was Dennis Cahill on Executive Decision. Oh, I remember that. He was Maurice in The Imposters. He was in Doctor Doolittle. Uh,
2: does he have an earring in something?
0: I'm sure he does. Kinsey, Loverboy, Iced Harvest. Oh, he was in a lot of West Wing. I remember that. Nip Tuck, X Men First Class. I don't know. He's always been a pretty big character actor in my eyes. Hmm. Chef, Fargo. Yeah,
2: that's a bad hit. Well, anyway, I know him as a musketeer.
0: That's fair. He is Porthos, Ethos, Pathos, and Aramis. <laughs>
2: But this movie takes a lot of cues from
0: Jaws. Sure. They do the thing that Jaws taught monster movies, which is, you know, by accident, don't show the monster.
2: Yes. Which is a good thing, because it looks really fake.
0: Interestingly, okay, maybe not too interesting, but it also takes a lot of cues from Jurassic Park in the production, right? Like, they made a model of the... Crocodile that functioned And they learned a lot of things from Jaws It worked underwater (laughs) And then they supplemented that For the more action intense scenes Where it needs to move around a lot And those scenes where Kelsey thinks it looks totally fake With CG Which is exactly what they did with Jurassic Park And Stan Winston created The physical models for both
2: Then why on earth did Jurassic Park look amazing?
0: Because probably More time and effort went into it Oh (laughs) So, yeah, like, same studio that created the physical models for Jurassic Park and this crocodile. Also, Jaws, which we were just talking about, another Steven Spielberg movie. That's why it's all a web.
2: But the guy who goes diving gets dragged through the water just like in Jaws. very
0: much like at the beginning of Jaws.
2: But as Chris says, that's not what a crocodile would do.
0: Yeah, it doesn't just snap you and then out into the water. They grab you and then they spin you, hoping to disable you, crush you, drown you. And they don't just swim really fast away, you know. They do barrel rolls. And he gets, uh, yeah, eaten in half. Brendan Gleeson pulls him up into the boat, the sheriff, and uh, he's just half a body. And the guy dies. And I'm like, oh, shit. And no one believes him that this happened. Oh, it was a bear. It was in the water.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's pretty nuts when it happens. Yeah. It looks, it doesn't look real, but it looks crazy. They
0: did a pretty good job of that. I yeah.
2: Think.
0: Pulling him out of the water and he's half a person. Like, yeah, I think that looked pretty cool.
2: Then we meet Bridget Fonda's character. Yes. Who it was having a, in a relationship with her boss.
0: Again, here we are, Adam Arkin. Who's that? He's in Chicago Hope. Oh.
2: And it's just like, why would she even be interested in him? But whatever.
0: I wrote that. I was like, all this fuss over Adam Arkin. <laughs> no offense. I'm sure he's a lovely man. But you have fucking Bridget Fonda and Mariska Hargitay fighting over Adam Arkin.
2: Yeah, it's very strange. But <laughs> So she's a paleontologist who works at a museum. And he breaks up with her because he's cheating on her with somebody else. And it ends up being, as Chris said, this other lady who we've all seen before.
0: From SVU, Mariska Hargitay.
2: Yes. And she says, the heart wants what the heart wants. And I was like, oh, so I guess Selena Gomez didn't come up with that phrase.
0: Oh, okay. But
2: the heart wants <laughs> what it wants. <laughs>
0: So what ultimately this means is that they both, because they all work in the same place, they both kind of want Bridget Fonda to go away. And so they send her on this field mission to investigate. It doesn't make
2: any sense. Why would they even know about it?
0: They probably got a call about it. And this looks like a prehistoric tooth. Is this anything? And then he's like, I want you to go there and check it out. Why would I do that? Why would we need to do that? And why would I be the one to do it? Well, it's because they don't want her there. They're sending her away. And it's a I, very weak excuse no, I wrote down I guess it's a fun reason why she would be there in the first place. It is a weak excuse in reality, but I can see why somebody would want that in reality too. even if it's a weak excuse and everyone knows what's really going on you know I I, I think it's an interesting reason to get her out there and not just somebody found a tooth in Maine I gotta go like that then we would have all been saying why is she going out there for this? Now there's extra motivation.
2: And I guess we're not supposed to like her, because then she's in the uh, helicopter. Oh, my God. And the guy is, like, telling her that it's going to get bumpy or something. And she's just like, could you not talk to me? And it's just like, Jesus. They do
0: the thing, this cliche thing, and it's all part of a larger cliche. What I like to call the Sweet Home Alabama cliche, even though this comes before Sweet Home Alabama. That would come out, like, three years later. Where the woman who has like down to earth roots goes to the city is very successful and becomes not relatable anymore. And then she goes back to the sticks and then she comes off as rude to everyone because she brings her big city lifestyle. And then she has to relearn what's really important about the down to earth folk. And it's a little bit sexist and condescending, but it's here. It's and funny because in the very the whole next scene movie.
2: she tells Bill Pullman not to condescend to her.
0: Yeah, no, there you go. <laughs> she does not come off good in this. She comes off terrible in a lot of this. And it's like, wow, this movie really has an agenda about what people should like find valuable. Like it's really on the, you know, good old down to earth folk who know what's what and what's important. That's it's, it's a weird agenda that comes out of nowhere, especially from somebody like David E. Kelly.
2: <laughs> but even though the guys don't want her to come with them to go and, ex- in, like, investigate what this tooth is, she's, like, intrigued, so she wants to go. Yeah. I don't know. Or she doesn't want to go back to work, so she stays. Yeah, I that's don't probably know. another reason why. But they immediately encounter Betty White, who is absolutely absurd.
0: Oh, yeah. Her character is ridiculous. And she's the probably the one thing that stands out in this movie that everyone remembers.
2: Yeah, and so it's like when she admits to just killing her husband and her wacky story of like he... Became incoherent, and then one day he came out of it and asked me to kill him, so I did, and then I buried him.
0: Yeah, and then we find out that that's not even a real story. Yeah, that's not yeah. even what
2: really happened. Like, the fact that they're just like, oh, okay. Like, you just, you accept it because that's the that's the tone that's been set up. That's yeah. The it's the mood that has been set.
0: The movie is like, you know, they don't want to investigate this. This is not why they're here. They're not opening that can of worms. He's already dead, according to her. She put him out of his misery. I hit him with a frying pan or whatever it was that she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. Pickham, that's the reason why we're here, a man was fatally attacked yesterday by some animal in this lake.
1: Do you know how your husband died? Oh, yes. I killed him. You killed him? Oh, yes.
0: Uh, and how would you have accomplished this, ma'am?
1: Well... He was very sick, and, and he refused to go to a doctor. He'd be coherent one day and incoherent the next. And well, one coherent day, he asked me to end his suffering. And he kept insisting and insisting. And and well, finally, I just gave in.
0: And I hit him on the head with a skillet. They're just like, we're going to pretend you didn't say that.
2: Mm-hmm. But then, after she convinces them to let her come with, she's upset when she finds out that they're going to be sleeping in tents. Yeah. Even though they said they were going camping. Oh,
0: don't you get it, though? It's because she's big city and she doesn't know what rustic living's really all about, Kelsey.
2: I guess. She gets really upset when Gleason accidentally throws a moose head at her. Yeah,
0: he pulls it out of the water. They find it when they go out of the out on the water. It's a moose head. And drop it into the boat and she freaks out. You threw it on me. And she's insufferable.
2: Well, it's setting up this slapstick absurd air well, moment where they, she's going to slap him twice and he's not going to do anything about
0: it. And it, but she needs to soften. They're setting up all the reasons why it's important for her to change in order for her to have a romantic relationship with somebody who doesn't have to change at all.
2: <laughs> it's around this time that Oliver Platt shows up?
0: Yes, as Hector Sear.
2: An extremely rich guy who happens to love crocodiles, just like uh, the guy from Jaws, a really rich guy who happens to love sharks.
0: Yes, uh huh. He has all the resources in the world and is really interested in sharks, just like this guy, except Oliver Platt thinks that they are godlike.
2: Yes, and Bridget Fonda has a really interesting line about how every civilization has deified them, which I didn't know. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah, and later on, he's even going to pray to Sobek, who is the Egyptian crocodile god.
2: I wonder why that is.
0: They've been around for so damn long, and they look so intimidating, and they're like dinosaurs. And the way he says it, he mentions it later on in the movie, they only have one predator, humans. They are prey to nothing. Really? They're at the top of the food chain. Yeah. Just like sharks.
2: Well, there are animals that could easily kill them if they wanted to. Yeah,
0: but they don't. They don't get hunted for food by anything.
2: Interesting. That's what it
0: means to be at the top of the food chain. You know, assuming you take humans out of the equation because humans hunt for everything almost. They're at the top of almost every food chain. Mm -hmm.
2: But he explains that... A crocodile could very easily come to a Placid Lake in Maine, which, by the way, is not the name of the lake. Gleason even comments on that. They don't
0: tell us what the lake is. There are a couple different lakes in this county in Maine. But they say that there was already, like, the name was already taken. There are, like, several different lakes in the United States called Lake Placid. New York, Florida, Texas all have Lake Placids. So, like, why Maine couldn't have one, too, I don't know. Hmm. So yeah, that's the fun thing. This entire franchise is called Lake Placid and it's not Lake Placid.
2: Mm -hmm. But he explains that uh, it could very easily have come up to a lake from the ocean and that crocodiles have in fact been migrating north.
0: So it's
2: very believable that this could happen. But Oliver Platt uh, has a lot of uh, parts about him that I really dislike.
0: Yes, he's a terrible person.
2: Yes, he's a terrible person. He just blatantly lies about having had sex with Bridget Fonda in front of everyone, including her. And she doesn't really do anything about it. She's just like, we never had sex.
0: He's self-deprecating at the time, too. He's like, oh, I guess that's one of the dangers of, you know, being a bad lay. You're easily forgettable or whatever. Like, he's self-deprecating. But, like, still, I take... I. Take her word for it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But she is the only one with a positive relationship until the end of the movie with Oliver Platt. You know, she's also annoyed by him, but she has like a a warmness for him. Mm. She thinks he's misunderstood and that people treat him poorly, which they do. But he treats other people poorly too. Mm
2: -hmm. But he does that when they are out on the lake the next day looking for something, and they find all these fish, these white perch, and they're all flipping out because they're scared. Yeah. And- They only use
0: that once later on in the movie. Oh, well, the The canoe ends up up getting
2: flipped over, and Bridget Fonda makes her first entry into the water, and she will get knocked into the water a lot.
0: A couple times, yes. I think three times in this movie. Oh, okay. Well, there's only so many times they're on boats.
2: (laughs) But nothing else happens here. Nobody gets hurt here.
0: No, they're able to pull her out of the water just fine.
2: hmm And when they get on land, they find, like, a toe. And one of them just picks it up like it's nothing.
0: Yeah, oh, here's the rest of your deputy. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever.
2: Disgusting.
0: Uh, she also talks with Bill Pullman, who has shown up. We didn't mention him. He's the, the head of Fish and Wildlife or whatever organization which has authority here in this case. And he's very much like the sheriff down to earth country folk and awkward because it's Bill Pullman (laughs) (laughs) and she talks about oh the lake is so calm I bet you can get X number of skips on a skipping stone oh oh your country is showing Bridget Fonda oh you're starting to soften you're remembering your roots cliche (laughs) (laughs) look
2: how flat that water is you could get ten skips on a good one easy sorry sorry Skipping stones. Growing up, I used to summer at my grandparents' place on a lake like this. I'd skip stones all day. Beat playing with the other kids.
1: I'm sure it did.
2: The music really ramps up, and I was just like, oh, you know that he's worried about her because the music is telling Uh you. Because Bill Pullman is not telling you (laughs) that he's worried about her. But the music is letting the audience know. Yeah,
0: Bill Pullman doesn't get awkward when uh, he has the hots for a girl. He's just always awkward, so it's really hard to tell (laughs) what he's thinking. There's always something going on behind his
2: eyes. (laughs) And they they do the whole, like, you know, they can't be together because he's country, she's not. But the truth is, is that she is. And then when they leave, they have to turn back and look. And they don't look at each other at the same time. Like, it's... We said cliché after cliché after cliché. It just, it hits all its marks. Yes. No, there is no heart to this film.
0: There's none. There is, at least not an authentic one. No pulse. It's a Frankenstein heart made out of stitched together clichés.
2: Mm-hmm. So, at one point, she is on the phone with U.S. Wildlife, and Bridget Fonda calls them fuck shit. Yes. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> Thank you. It's so rewarding to imagine my tax dollar finding its way to you, you fuck shit.
0: You are a saucy flirt. So, what does Oliver Platt do that night that kind of annoys Bill Pullman and the sheriff?
2: Oliver Platt has a party that evening where he is listening to Tom Jones.
0: Yes. And he set up a bunch of traps, because as far as he's concerned, crocodiles are attracted to noise, and he set up traps that might catch one that comes towards the sound of the party. He's also using it as an opportunity to get close to Deputy Gare, one of... Brendan Gleeson's deputies
2: Who you would think would be uh, 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 Irritated with his
0: No, she's totally into it
2: (laughs) Yeah, she does not mind the way he talks about her at all
0: This is Meredith Salinger, Kelsey And did she look familiar to you at all? Yes She was Natty Gann in The Journey of Natty Gann The Disney movie with uh, John Cusack Dream a Little Dream
2: Oh, she's in Dream a Little Dream
0: She is I thought maybe you might recognize that Mm Mm-hmm So Natty Gann is freaking up on Oliver Platt, and that's when the party gets broken up.
2: Yeah, but as Chris explains, he also explains that he was expecting them to come online because they're very brazen, Uh as he is. Yeah. There's a very awkward part where Gleason asks, because Platt makes a joke at him, and he's like, was that a homosexual remark?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's like,
2: oh, oh, you're showing your time. Yep,
0: in the very 90s. Maybe later you could chew the bark off my big fat log. Was that like a homosexual remark?
2: And then at some point a guy's head gets bit off.
0: Yeah, so they do a thing where they're trying to draw it away to the sound of like baby alligators in danger or something like that, or crocodiles. And they have they have that sound thing in there because he's pulling that that device in this deputy and he get his he gets his head bitten right off.
2: Yes, and that's a nutso scene. Yes,
0: it is, and so nobody it takes you by it. surprise. It does. Some of the stuff like it's well done. It's just not inspired enough to like have us recommend it to you.
2: But yes, then and that's that's why he's so upset. He's so mad. Because he just saw his friend's head get cut off. Yeah. Beat, bitten off. And Oliver Platt is pissing him off, pushing his buttons. And he's just like, you know what? It would just be better if you and I did not speak. And he turns and he steps and he gets pulled up in a trap. And it's really yeah. good comedic uh-huh. timing.
0: And they're like, cut him down, cut him down. And Oliver Platt's like, you just just pull him down. It's a counterweight. And like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> like, that was funny. But then they get into a fight because everyone made... Them promise not to hit each other, and everyone agreed. And then when they get Brendan Gleeson down, he squares up to Oliver Platt, and they're like, you said you wouldn't? He's like, yeah, well, I lied. I lied. <laughs> which is which is fun. They get into a fight. Until uh, a bear shows up. But a up. bear shows up. out Why a bear would insert themselves into the middle of this to attack? Like, these aren't food to a bear. I don't know if maybe they're near its... Babies. Babies. There's no baby scene. But the whole point is we need something terrifying to then get eaten by the crocodile, which it does. It comes out, grabs the bear in its mouth and then yanks it down under and everyone gets a good look at the crocodile now. And there's no mistaking what's going on here. Again, this is the crocodile. Later on, we'll see it approach Bridget Fonda or something like that in the water, and that's when it's the model made by Stan Winston.
2: But it is it is ridiculous when this crocodile jumps out to take this bear down. Oh yeah, it's
0: all, I mean, for a but movie it's that's... it's in good fun, it's done exactly, on purpose. exactly. But that does not mean it's... But for a movie made in the 90s, it's not terrible. Like, you can think of any number of movies that were made in the 2000s that looked worse than this. Yeah. But... It's not impressive by no, any means. No, and they call it an Indo-Pacific crocodile with oval scales. Makes it an Asian crocodile, thirty feet long, according to Bridget Fonda. I think in actuality it's just over forty feet or something like that, tip to tip. Mm, huge, but it's not supposed Terrifying. to be here. It's a it's a crocodile from Asia, and it's in Maine. Yeah, so it, all it migrated. It plat- crossed the ocean.
2: Yeah, does not know why it's here.
0: We get a classic tending to their wounds scene because in the bear attack, fucking Bill Pullman got a little scratch and she's got to tend to his wounds so they get a little tender moment.
2: And he says, you're having the time of your life.
0: Yeah, she's she's like, like, oh, can everyone tell? I've been
2: seeing people (laughs) die. Oh, I guess I have uh-huh. been having the time of my life.
0: But it's contrived that they have to have this scene because he got a little scratch and, oh, I'll tend to you, I'll do the first day. It's just another very cliche scene.
2: Yes. She's really worried about ticks, which reminded me a lot of the guy from Midsummer.
0: Oh, yeah. Was uh-huh. not
2: worth the picnic <laughs> in the park. Yep. They find a perfect footprint, very Jurassic Park that of them. they a
0: mold for, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: No other perfect footprints anywhere.
0: And this is where they find Betty White dragging a cow out, right?
2: This is where she sees that that she is feeding her cows to the crocodile.
0: And has been, we'll find out later, for like a couple decades or something? Mm -hmm. 10 years, 13 years, 20 years? I can't remember what it is. It's been a very long time.
2: Yeah, I don't remember how long she's been doing it. At
0: one point in here... She says to them, if I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. Your husband, Bernie, you didn't by any chance lead him to the lake blindfolded.
1: If I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. (laughs)
0: It's just cute hearing Betty White say this stuff.
2: Yes, Betty White is very funny in this movie. Still
0: alive and kicking, Betty White.
2: Awesome. Good for you. But yeah, like, and she's not even mad that it ate her husband. No. Which is what really happened. Yes. And she's just like, well, it's his lake now. Uh Uh-huh. Well, thanks to you, Betty White.
0: (laughs) She thinks of it as a family member.
2: Yeah, and they're like, well, we can't kill it. It's 150 years old. Who are we to kill that?
0: Okay, so this is a weird sort of position that the movie takes, and it expects the audience to just get on board. We have a killer monster that has killed multiple people. It is dangerous. It's notoriously difficult to capture. And they want us, the audience, to get on board with the idea that it is vital that we not kill this crocodile. I'm sorry, I'm just not on board. Let's save him. What a fucking great idea. I get why if we could, we should. But the idea that we there is no scenario where we should be okay with killing this crocodile. Nope, I'm sorry.
2: Well, but they get to have their cake and eat it too. They Which save they this do,
0: one. and that's really annoying. They
2: save this one, but then they kill its baby. They don't
0: even fucking blink when they kill the other one. Yeah. And because you'll find out, spoilers. There's a second one. And, oh wait, there's more.
2: Yeah, well, because they wanted it to. They they the audience they knew wanted one to die.
0: Yeah, we but needed one to die, to but we needed it. to say not kill this one. Mm-hmm. So they do try to have their cake and eat it too in a way that's really fucking annoying. By the way, it I thought it was its child. No, the implication is that they're a mating pair.
2: Oh. That makes sense. And that's
0: why we get babies at the end of the movie. Sorry, spoilers.
2: Yeah. But so they try to lure it with a cow, but it doesn't work for some reason. Because suddenly the crocodile is intelligent, I guess. Well, it doesn't work at first.
0: And then eventually it does. Remember, he's like, oh, it's coming. It's on the radar. This is after Oliver Platt got approached by the crocodile, right? Yeah, Oliver Platt falls in the water with the deputy in his helicopter, And it bites the pontoon or whatever, and they're totally in trouble. And that's where he prays to Sobek, and he gets a a one-on-one, and he almost gets eaten, but he doesn't.
2: That's after he's eaten the cow that Betty White gave him.
0: Yes, the cow that Betty White gave him, but before, they take the cow on eminent domain (laughs) in order to try to coax the crocodile out in order to trank it which is what their ultimate plan is going to be. But he's come face to face with this crocodile now, and he's like, oh, man, this is, I was wrong. This is something different. This is something else, Mm. you know? Well, they still save it. Yes. So Uh it doesn't really matter. Right, so yeah, what is that, the fact that it's different even matter at this point now? Nope. But yeah, I say, I'm sorry, I'm just not invested in the idea of taking it alive. And within the ticking clock of before Florida Fish and Game gets there, it's
2: funny that you say ticking talk because I was like, at the end, I wrote down, it looks like the tick tock
0: crocodile from Peter Pan. Oh, or from Hook. Yeah, a little at the bit. End- yeah. But I mean, yeah, there's the ticking clock of because people are dying. Now Florida's fish and game is going to show up, and they're like, you know what they're going to do. They're going to kill it. They're not going to try to capture it. So we have to try to capture it alive before Florida fish and game gets here because they're going to kill it. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just not invested in those stakes. I'm sorry, and I'm a bleeding heart. I just don't feel invested in this scenario. I am more concerned about the cow that they use in real life for this next part than I am for this crocodile, hypothetically, right? So what they do is they grab this cow, they put it in this hoist thing, which who knows, maybe the cows feel good in it. I don't know, in reality, but I was legitimately worried about... How this cow felt being dangled no. from a crane. It wasn't being dangled from a helicopter in real life, mm-hmm. it was on a crane. But yes, in the movie, it's being dangled by Oliver Platt. And at first, Crocodile's not showing up, but then it does. And it attacks the helicopter? Because yes, in order to save the cow, Oliver Platt has to be like, oh shit, we're getting out of here. And then that destabilizes the helicopter mm-hmm. and it ends up crashing. Mm-hmm. And the cow snaps loose from the helicopter and splashes into the water. But Oliver Platt might get hurt because the crocodile's right there. <laughs> and then it comes up on land. It chases after Bridget Fonda, right? She
2: yes, falls in the
0: water or something.
2: Something. She ends up getting behind like a. A tree or a sub- or a trunk or yeah, something.
0: Yeah, so she's she's in the water, and she dives underwater. I really liked this part. I thought that was really inventive and visually stimulating, where she was behind a trunk hiding, and then it sees her, and then it goes after her, and it turns sideways, and it opens up its mouth, and then it clamps down its jaws around the tree trunk and she's on the other side of it. So she is physically within its jaws, but protected by the tree trunk. Now, I don't know if this waterlogged tree trunk probably would have just fucking snapped under the pressure of that crocodile's jaws, but it was a really compelling moment, and she is able (laughs) to get away. They get her out, and in the process, it chases up on land. Then she falls out of the truck because she fucking falls out of everything in this movie, (laughs) and they gotta save her that way. I forget how or why, but it goes back in the water, goes after Oliver Platt, and gets stuck in the body of the helicopter. And the tranquilizers start taking effect. And there's this moment where we don't know what Bill Pullman's going to do. Is he going to try to kill it? Oh, nope, he just fires a tranq dart at it. You couldn't have just said that? <laughs> Everyone's screaming at you not to shoot it, and you're like, don't worry, it's a tranq dart. You know, he doesn't because we need that tension in the movie. Again, tension I am not invested in. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might as well say, we have to take Michael Myers alive. (laughs) No, we don't. No, we don't. But while all this is happening and they're all like, oh, fine. See, we did manage to take it alive. Here's where the other crocodile comes out of fucking nowhere, which might explain why at one point somebody in the movie says, I thought I saw its tail over there, and it turns out it's completely somewhere else.
1: Oliver Platt Yeah, uh
0: uh-huh. Brendan Gleeson gets to use his- I mean, they play it like it's a grenade launcher, but it's really literally a flare launcher that he has. It's an attachment on his gun. He fires it right in the mouth of this other crocodile, which just fucking explodes Mm -hmm. as its spouse is- falling asleep right next to its <laughs> exploded corpse. <laughs> and everyone's like, ha ha, oh yeah, you got to use that, are you happy now? Eh, I don't know, it was a little disappointing. Like it was
2: overrated. Yes,
0: because he's like, well I actually, you've you've convinced me to care for these animals. And it's like, okay, then why couldn't they just have killed the other crocodile and not had to have this contrived notion of a second one that comes out of nowhere? Well
2: they had to explain where the babies came from. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, do we really need that? Do we Mm -hmm. really need the eight Lake Placid movies that we have? Including Apparently
2: people want them.
0: That's like Lake Placid versus Megalodon or whatever. (laughs) They just call the crocodile Lake Placid. (laughs) Which is so fucking funny. I wrote down all this hemming and hawing about taking it alive. And we're supposed to cheer when the second one blows up. Which is a little weird. And then, as they're all like, ah, it's finally passing out. We did it that Florida fishing game just pulled up. Now they don't have to kill it. Hooray! And as the camera's panning away, the cow just walks by, <laughs> which I thought was legitimately a funny beat.
2: <laughs>
0: so, good on them for that. I thought for sure Brendan Gleeson and Oliver Platt were going to die.
2: I was surprised and Glad that they did not.
0: Yes. I wrote down, I would say good on them for subverting the cliche mm-hmm. of the fodder that these characters very obviously were. Mm-hmm. But it feels more like cowardice to me. Like they didn't have the balls to kill off characters they thought you might like.
2: I don't know about that.
0: I thought it was fine. You think that this movie is brave? <laughs> no. Like, I'm glad that they live because I like their characters. Mm-hmm. And the cliche is to kill them off. But I don't think they were like, let's subvert that cliche and keep them alive. They're like, no, we got to keep these characters alive. We can't kill them. <laughs>
2: like, that's what
0: it feels like more than being bold and subversive.
2: I think it's just it was that would be too dark of a this is a comedy. Yeah.
0: So we have two. That's scenes, the other problem:
2: is that this isn't scary. And it's, in one iota,
0: and it's not really that funny. There are a few funny moments, but it's not really a comedy either. And it's,
2: well, it it thinks it's funny, right? But Lots it's trying of people to think thread it's that funny. needle
0: between scary we just and funny, don't. and it's kind of neither.
2: It's not scary at, at all.
0: But we do get two more scenes: one where Betty White goes down to the dock, puts her toes two, in the is water. Is
2: love for some reason
0: because she loves the
2: I guess the
0: uh, the crocodiles and goes to feed. These baby crocodiles that are there now. And she's like, oh, nibble on mommy's toes. Like, she's, okay, it's going to be a bigger issue. These are all going to grow up to be really big, too. I don't know if they're like other animals where they, uh, how much they grow depends on their environment. So I don't know how much this lake would actually sustain a 30-something foot crocodile. But it did. And then the last one is we see it passed out on the back of a flatbed truck being driven off somewhere. Just... Whole ass out in the open. Yes. People just driving by seeing a living giant crocodile.
2: (laughs) Well, I might assume it's fake.
0: Yeah, maybe. Who knows? That's the end of the movie. What do you think Lake Placid has on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey?
2: 69,
0: dudes! 47%.
2: Holy shit, okay.
0: Betty White's delightful supporting turn may be worth the price of admission alone, but Lake Placid is swamped by a smarmy script... And inability to deliver on the creature feature mayhem sure-hmm has a metacritic of 34 and a cinema score of c I I don't know if I'd give it I'd give it a c minus at best converting it into a hundred point scale though what would you give it
2: I'm gonna give it 50. It's I might a nothing movie
0: I might be just a just slightly more generous than that and give it a 55. Not too generous, a little more generous than the average, but it's not a great movie. It's not offensive to your sensibilities or anything like that. No, it's it won't challenge you in any way. It won't scare you in any way. It might make you chuckle a few times. Yes, it is. It is a comfort film of a horror movie. Just full of shit that's just oh so familiar, and it's not going to rattle you too much.
2: Sorry, David.
0: I could see why this might be, like, somebody would say, like, oh man, I love Lake Placid. Because they saw it in 1999 when they were younger, and like I say, it's comfort food.
2: <laughs>
0: that's kind of the value of this movie, as far as I can tell. <laughs> Do you see any other reason to watch it?
2: Not really.
0: It's, yeah.
2: yeah. I, I if you have nostalgia for it, I get it.
0: Yeah, Totally. So that is 1999's Lake Placid. Moving on to our next movie, 2020's Host. Now, to clarify, this is the host that came out during the pandemic and was filmed in Zoom or simulated Zoom. hmm Directed by Rob Savage, written by Gemma Hurley, Rob Savage, and Jed Shepard. Starring Haley Bishop, Gemma Moore, Emma Louise Webb, and more. What is Host about?
2: A group of friends get together for a seance over Zoom, and it goes poorly.
0: It's a really great concept. It is not the first simulated, you know, within a digital environment perspective movie that's ever been made. I mean, we've watched Unfriended, although we didn't cover it on the show. And you know what? We actually kind of liked Unfriended.
2: Yeah, I actually really liked it.
0: Yeah, it's a little hammy, but it's fine. I Like, I, I actually like it. Mm-hmm. Still make Bob say, what's happening? Every time <laughs> we do a video call. Uh, but yes, it is a great concept. Rob Savage having previously filmed a Zoom call he actually had with his friends when he played a practical joke on them and then released that. And that got popular enough where he was able to make this. And I will say, before we get too deep into it, there are a lot of things, because this is filmed as if it were in Zoom, there are a lot of things that the movie does wrong when it comes to Zoom. We're going to mention them in general right now. Probably never bring them up again. (laughs) You can add to this list, but I think this might be comprehensive of the type of mistakes that it makes. Okay. It swaps between speaker and gallery views all the time. Yes. With no input.
2: Yes. Without explaining. Seemingly at random.
0: Uh, it swaps between highlighted speakers when the new highlighted speaker that we're jumping to isn't saying anything and is actually making no noise and the person that is making noise isn't shown on the screen. Being that we both spent a whole hell of a lot of time in Zoom. A yes. whole
2: lot of time on <laughs> Zoom for, for work. For jobs, yes. Uh, I mean, I, I assume that a lot of you guys did too, but we absolutely did. So those things were noticeable to us.
0: Losing or gaining cameras in the gallery view, despite the fact that these people are not logged off and there's no indication that they turn their cameras off or not highlighting a speaker with a border when they're talking, which is something that Zoom does. And there's settings that can take care of a lot of this stuff, but doesn't explain away everything. We're not going to call out all those things as they happen throughout the movie. We're just going to say it's taking place in Zoom. You're just going to have to live with it for style purposes, that it's not just 100 percent of the time gallery view. Because that would be boring.
1: <laughs>
0: the movie is available on AMC+, Plus, DirecTV, and Shudder, which is where we watched it. You can rent it for $5, but it's only $4 on Amazon and Vudu. Or you can buy it for $8 to $15, but it is cheapest on Amazon and Vudu again. Considering those prices and that the movie is less than an hour long, should people watch Host?
2: I think you should see it for sure. It's yeah, it's it's an hour long.
0: Yeah, it's a minimal commitment and it's a lot of fun and it's not like we don't have complaints, but I'd say it was worth it. Yeah, it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the only movie of its type you'll watch.
2: Unfriended is better. Yeah. I would recommend Unfriended before I would recommend this. This this is maybe a little
0: bit more realistic. It's a little bit more grounded. Yeah, I guess. Unfriended feels more written.
2: Well, a little bit. I have a problem with the parameters
0: of how ghosts work. Yes, and we will talk about that, especially when we get into, I think, Teddy or Ted or whatever the dude's name is. Mm -hmm. When he joins later on what's going on there. Uh-huh. I tried to rationalize it and it's not a very good rationalization. But, you know, whatever. It's fun. We're just going to see a lot of people get fucked up by a ghost. That's what's going to happen. And you should probably watch it. It's minimal commitment, like we said, and it's fun. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2020's host.
1: Hey!
2: Hey! Hi, guys. Hey, it's guys! Caroline! Hi, Teddy! Hi. Let's <laughs> do <laughs> <laughs> a shock after us. Hey <laughs> okay, everyone, get in. Three, two, one. Have you ever done anything like this before?
1: I've never done this over Zoom. Obviously we're not physically together, but there's no reason why spirit can't communicate over the internet. Nothing's going to happen. Visualise us sitting in a circle. Spirit, we invite you to use us to pass on any communication. Is there anyone there? Please come forth.
2: What was that? Amy, was that you? I heard it. No, I heard something? something. I think there's something here. Do you see that? <laughs> oh, Emma, no. this is funny. <laughs> Connected with something. We gotta keep going. We gotta talk to it. <laughs> this is not good. I told
1: you not to disrespect the spirits. It
2: could be something demonic. <laughs> 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 hey, this is all your fault. Know. Not my fault. This is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Haley! Emma, turn the filters off. Come on. <laughs>
0: All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does host begin?
2: With a pretty good beginning, a pretty good intro with the sounds of clicking in on your computer.
0: Yeah. It turning was a
2: it on.
0: Fantastic transition from the production promos to the movie itself through this interface, which is pretty cool.
2: It was very, very smooth and it felt very real. And yeah. I liked that. Mm-hmm. You know, it really set the tone of the yeah. film. We start with our main character, I guess, Haley, who is very obviously looking at herself in the reflection of the computer and fixing her hair before she peels off a post-it note displaying what she looks like. But that's a weird thing to do because no one was on before her. No, it doesn't matter.
0: No, it doesn't matter. There are people who cover their cameras at all times unless they're being used.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. And she is hearing bangs in her apartment. So, like, I don't know if we're supposed to think that that's why she wanted to do this, because she thinks there's a ghost in her apartment and she just is too embarrassed to tell her friends. Yeah, we
0: don't get clarity on that, but she does magically see a closet door open and all this, like, you know, mops and brooms and I think a hockey stick or something falls out.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's as much guesswork as I can do about why she wants to do Mm -hmm. this.
0: But there is a sound that's happening. And as she's walking the laptop into her living room, dining room area in her apartment, there's a sound coming from her window. And it's Gemma throwing rocks at the window. Gemma.
2: (laughs) But she doesn't come inside, right?
0: No. No, she was, because by that point, you had pointed out, There's someone waiting in your lobby, but she didn't see that. Haley didn't see that. And so she's walking through. It's Gemma throwing rocks at the window saying, hey, I'm on on my phone. Let me in.
2: Oh, that's why she was doing that. uh I get it. Okay. Okay. And it
0: also establishes now that Gemma lives pretty close to Haley.
2: Yeah, which seems like it's going to be really important.
0: It's important to the logistics of the ending. And that's it.
2: Yeah, that's it.
0: And then everyone else starts joining on this Zoom call, including Radina, who, I think it's Radina, right? Yes, it is. Who is, oh my God, (laughs) all I can think about is she goes into their dining room kitchen area, and her boyfriend or whomever is, like, chopping vegetables.
2: It's her boyfriend, and she's in the living room, which is open to the kitchen.
0: Yes, and she gets annoyed by the fact that he's cooking vegetables and goes to have an argument about them and they're like oh they never should have moved in together for quarantine like they weren't ready for that that wasn't you know they moved in because it was quarantine and she makes him go to the bedroom like she's upset that he's making noise you could go to the bedroom
2: yeah you can he's go making food the in the kitchen yeah
0: it's it is absurd and, upset. and it the makes the you upsetting. immediately not like Radina at least in my mind I'm just like oh you're selfish I get it
2: Yeah, but we act as if who they are matters. It really doesn't. No.
0: It just needs to set up that she's not having a good relationship with her roommate slash boyfriend. And that he exists in this space. That's all you need to know.
2: But what I'm trying to say is that the characterization of this film is super unimportant. And that kind of sucks.
0: Except maybe for, I would say, the two people that are the most scared. There's Emma. And Carolyn, and Gemma, who doesn't take anything seriously. Yeah. So those are the important characterizations, and that's about it.
2: Why does it matter that Carolyn's scared?
0: Because they the what they do and the way they act is important to how we feel as well.
2: I guess. I Yeah. I guess you could say they're good stand-ins for the audience, but that's not, like, what characterization well, is and, supposed
0: to be for. And Carolyn freaking out, especially in the very beginning – allows Salen the, what do you call it? The medium. psychic, I guess, the medium. Yeah. They have a moment and opportunity to explain why they shouldn't be worried. There's nothing should be going wrong here. And then there's the turn when Gemma does something that Salem did not anticipate.
2: Even though later she'll say, I told you not to uh, to be rude to the spirits. And I'm like, I don't remember you saying that.
0: I think it's probably from a prior conversation. But any in any case, Gemma... Is the worst. Like Gemma sucks. You start out kind of wanting to like her, but then she's just the worst. Like, if you have a friend like this, get them out of your friend group. (laughs) They're terrible. And it really, really bothers me that somebody could be... Like, even if you don't believe in this shit, then don't fucking participate.
2: Yeah, I don't get... That's the weird thing to me. Like, if all you're there for is to make fun of it...
0: Then why did you come? Right, when all your friends are trying to take this seriously. Listen, I do not believe in any of this shit. I think it's bullshit. I think it's stupid. I think Saline is talking out of her ass. That said, if I was participating in this, I would take it seriously.
2: <laughs>
0: because it's a dickhead move to do what Gemma does.
2: Yes. And then it ends up costing them all of their costing lives. Costing
0: all of them their lives. <laughs> That's why you shouldn't do it. (laughs) Just in general, it's just rude behavior. Yeah. Just incredibly stunningly, mind-bogglingly rude. But anyway, we're not even there yet. (laughs) So we have Haley, our host, Gemma, her friend. Oh, by the way, Haley is American and everyone else appears to be some form of british or something else.
2: Yeah, but sometimes her american accent goes away too. It's very confusing.
0: But they're like playing themselves. I don't I think that's just a thing that happens. Like I know I know. Yeah. I know it does. <laughs> you could take a vacation there and you end up absorbing some of the accent. <laughs> but yeah, she uh, I guess lives there. So Haley is our host. Gemma seems to be maybe her closest friend. Then there's Emma who's kind of a nothing burger of a character. Like, there's nothing going on there. Redina with her boyfriend. Caroline, who's, like, the big coward. And Teddy, who's the one dude. And he's gonna disappear because his wife is rude. Yeah. Like, really just stunningly rude.
2: Yes. It's weird. Like, and why they have this one random straight guy friend that the wife is not included in the group. It's weird.
0: Yeah, but then... So he leaves shortly into the movie because she just shows up, makes fun of what's going on on screen, and then says bye, like she's going to go have sex with her husband or something like that, and turns the camera off, and it's like... Uh, this was a scheduled event I had with my friends, and it's really fucking rude for you to just come in here and be like, no, you're paying attention to me. Yeah. Like they seem happy. It's not like they're in the middle of an argument and he's ignoring her or anything like
2: no, that. No, he's perfectly happy yeah. to leave as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Weird yep. friend dynamics. Like, get are to, these your friends? Yeah. I don't know. It's We weird. get to meet
0: Caroline's family, including her dad, but not a lot going on there. We just need to know that she's home with her family.
2: Not that it matters.
0: And then Salen joins.
2: Yeah, and she explains that she's never done this over Zoom, but that she is excited to try it. She does not bother to tell them that she has bad internet. She does not bother to tell them that she has ordered a delivery before. Yeah, that was supposed uh, to show up before this, and it was supposed to show up prior, but it didn't. Like,
0: why you wouldn't say, "Hey, you know what? I was expecting something. It was supposed to show up, but." It hasn't yet, so we I might need to pause to answer the door. Yeah. That's those sort of things that you preface these sort of experiences with. But but this is right at the beginning of the quarantine, and maybe all the zoom etiquette is not like absorbed by everyone yet. This is a new experience for a lot of people.
2: I guess, maybe.
0: Oh, there's the astral plane drinking game, which is also really rude. Teddy wants to play, which is every time she says astral plane, you take a shot. Yes. Which, n- nothing ever comes of that, but it's just a way, like a winking sort of, eh, eh. We're, we're mocking this lady and she doesn't know about it. Yes. Again, terribly, terribly rude. Yes. True.
2: But so, they all supposedly have someone they want to contact from the dead. Like, for example, Gemma explains that she wants to reach out to her Chinese heritage
0: yeah, she asks, she asks, what if I don't speak Chinese, but my ancestors do? And she's like, well, that shouldn't be an issue because they don't communicate through language. You're going to feel what they have to say.
2: And Carolyn wants to reach out to a dead pet. Yeah. Which Salem says is fine.
0: Yeah, sure, fine. It's all just emotions.
2: <laughs> they all light a candle that's supposed to be a beacon that's supposed to lead the spirits to them, so it's just like, so later, why not blow out the candle? I don't know. Or just leave the Zoom call, but that will never... Ne-
0: it will never happen. Like, that will
2: uh, never occur to any Part of
0: me understands that because it's like something might be happening to your friends, like you don't want to disconnect from that, but still. And then Caroline is like, I'm uncomfortable, because Salem asks, is there anyone here that maybe, or whatever, and I think Haley points out, yeah... Caroline's maybe feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And so she goes over, okay, here's what you do. You yeah, but then that ends up being bullshit waist. anyway. Well, because, unfortunately, Gemma does something, which is they're dealing... At one point, well, for the movie, they're going to be dealing with a demon and not just a peaceful spirit. And that's the difference between these two things. It's not somebody that passed away. This is a full-on demon. So that little rope-cutting thing I don't think is going to hack it. Okay. Okay. But, yes, you imagine a rope tied around your waist, and then you cut the rope, and then that cuts the connection. And, of course, Salen also has no idea what the fact that they're on a Zoom call is going to do to that. Normally, they'd be in a circle. In this way, the rope is the circle.
2: And she could handle the whole situation. But, again, she's not going to tell them that she has bad internet, which is the whole reason that she's going to be cut off from them. Yep. And nothing bad happens to Salen, right?
0: No, not as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah she gets off the fucking Zoom call.
2: <laughs> There's this whole, like, they, you know, they call on the spirits, they're asked, they're allowing themselves to be possessed, and you think that's going to go somewhere. It doesn't. They bring up a light that's on one of their screens. Rodina's, yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, what is it? What Which is go, it? That goes nowhere. That goes nowhere. Then the delivery thing happens. It's a, it's a. Silly jump scare.
0: Mm -hmm. I think Um, it works. It's an effective jump scare. It
2: worked, but it's frustrating because it's just like, who wouldn't tell them, hey, I got a delivery that might be coming? But this
0: all feels like...
2: And why wouldn't she recognize that that's what what it might be?
0: No, she does. They all get scared and she...
2: Suddenly realizes, oh, it's my delivery. No, but,
0: but the point is, is it's these sort of moments where it accentuates how tense everyone is and how everyone feels towards this process. By the fact that, you know, you could hear a pin drop sort of thing. And then when a noise happens, everyone freaks out and then they all laugh because it was actually harmless. This is natural shit.
1: If you're trying to give us a sign, please knock one more time. Fuck. I'm I'm so sorry. It must be my delivery. I'm really sorry. I'll be back in a second. Oh. oh my god! I'm sorry. That's my avocado. Sorry, my food delivery has
2: arrived. I'm getting uh, I'm getting a, note, uh, I'm getting of- aubergines, um, a jar of tahini. Well, that's what's going to cause Gemma to do her thing,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is she's going to pretend. That she knew a kid in school who was really nice to her and then ended up killing himself. And she thinks that he is now in the room with her, which is going to provide, as Salen puts it later, a mask for a demon to wear.
0: Yeah, because Salen's internet is going to get cut. She's going to have to call Haley at a certain point after weird things start happening to people. And she's only going to be talking on the phone. And she's going to explain that, you know, like, wait, so wait, Jack exists and this isn't Jack or Jack never existed? Oh, Jack never existed. Okay, that's really bad. You just made up this character. And she's like, Gemma was like crying and oh my God, this little boy and he died and, you know, he killed himself and like just tragic shit. And then when Salem drops, she just like pulls her hands away from her face, does like that Cosby fingers face thing. And it's like, oh my God, you're the worst.
2: Yeah, because no one was saying anything and she was bored. So she did that.
0: I'm sorry, that's not okay. People suck. People suck. People really suck. And you know what? I believe that. If you are that person that would do something like this, check yourself. (laughs) Check yourself.
2: But so that, you know, that, and of course now Salen is gone. So that kind of ruins the mood for everybody. So everybody kind of says, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. So everybody leaves. And Haley is really upset because she says no one is taking it seriously. And that's when Haley will be pulled back by her chair. Yeah. And that's pretty good. That mm-hmm. was, I was not expecting that. That mm-hmm. came out of nowhere. I liked that. But then they're going to do it again. One more
0: time. It's gonna happen a couple times, yeah. Yeah, or Mm -hmm.
2: twice, yeah. But they start hearing these thud sounds. And so Carolyn, I think it's Carolyn, hears the sounds up in the attic, right? Yes. And she pulls out Looking for her
0: dad and her dad's not there and
2: so she pulls out her selfie stick and looks up in the attic. And as she's slowly moving the camera around, which we've seen this done before, uh-huh. but it was still good. But it's fun,
0: naturalistic shit. She's using a fucking selfie stick because she's on a Zoom call on her phone. Like, okay, yeah, no, this feels grounded. realistic. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh.
2: And it's pretty good. The feet are there for a second.
0: Just hanging if there. If you're not watching, yeah.
2: you will miss it. Uh-huh. And it is gone. And I thought that was good. I thought that was pretty good.
0: Oh, Emma's glass shatters. She has a wine glass that shatters for no I reason. That was Carolyn's. No, that was Emma. And yeah, Carolyn sees, hears the noises and checks up in the attic, and we get that thing, and she's like, nope, 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 not going up there, not going up there. And this is when Haley calls Salen, or Salen calls her.
1: Gemma, you were telling us about your friend Jack. Um, so it sounds pretty likely that, that it's him. Um, have, have you tried asking if it's Jack
2: Jack's if, not real gemma made him up jack
1: doesn't jack doesn't exist or, or or Jack does exist she just didn't hear him
2: no Jack doesn't exist at all
1: look guys i I told you not to disrespect the spirits this this isn't good this is not good <sighs> I mean, basically, if by inventing a, a person that doesn't exist, we've basically summoned a false spirit. If you made this person up, you, you you basically created. Imagine, like, you created a mask. So now anything can come through and wear that mask. We we don't know what it might be. So I mean, if we're lucky, it's just it's just another spirit.
2: What if we're not lucky, Sarah?
1: Um, it it could be something.
2: On it. I guess the lights go out or something. For at some point, nobody ever turns on a light again. And I, I was like, I guess the lights have gone out. Right is yeah. what they're suggesting. Because uh-huh. I don't remember them saying that. But whatever. So there is a lot of times where I guess it's Haley. I thought it was Carolyn, but I guess it's Haley, and she has her Polaroid camera, and she uses that flash. To see in the dark, just like in Rear Window.
0: No, it's it's the, hey, I have a camera flash that's going to illuminate the darkness cliche.
2: The Rear Window cliche.
0: Yeah, no, I know. But I'm saying you see it in everything. We've seen it in probably four movies we've watched on this show. Okay. It's very, very common. But yes, Rear Window is the oldest one we've seen, at least on this show. And that's not like necessarily to see what's going on. He was using it to blind the other person.
2: But as much as I loved... The feet hanging, and it's a blink and you'll miss it moment. Uh-huh. There are a few things done here in the darkness that are done that way. It's like, what was that? What was that? And it's just like, you I have no yeah. idea because it was shit. all in the dark. And I don't know if our TV sucks or what, but whenever there's something that's hidden in darkness, well, it's just it, like, well, I didn't get to it see that. It didn't help that
0: we were watching it in the middle of the day, and there's a little bit of a glare on our TV in the middle of the day. <laughs> So what other things happen that are spooky scary?
2: Well, they get Salen on the phone, like you said, mm-hmm. and she tries to walk them through, cutting off the connection, but...
0: But it doesn't work. It
2: did not work. And this is when...
0: And Salen's call drops at this point, so she's gone for the rest of the fucking movie.
2: Yes, and this is when Radina, who sentenced her boyfriend to go to the... The bedroom, bedroom. uh she starts to realize, where the fuck is my boyfriend? Yeah. uh (laughs) He has suddenly disappeared. Did you guys see
0: him leave at any point? And they're like, no. And then his body just fucking drops from the ceiling.
2: Eventually, yes. uh Emma has been having her filters on.
0: I fucking loved this part of the movie. The fact that she had her face masks, filters on. Because she'll have, like, At really, really a a tense moment when she's one of the last people left, and she's, like, sobbing, and she has this face filter on. Yeah, uh uh-huh.
2: So she's been using these filters, so at one point they can see, like, a face mask just chilling in space, and they think it must be a filter, but she knows it's not. And that was a cool... Scene where she walks up to it and it turns to her.
0: She throws flour at that spot and nothing happens. But all the flour lands on the floor and then footprints stomp through it at her.
2: And I didn't know how I felt about that. I didn't know if I would prefer the powder to hit something midair. Uh,
0: well, that probably would have been harder than what they did later. exactly. Which is throw a cloth at something in midair yes. and it catches it. Yes.
2: Yes. I feel like they didn't do it because it would have cost too much money. Oh, yeah.
0: That would have been very expensive. might have looked pretty hokey.
2: I, but Or it could have looked really cool.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we haven't mentioned that Caroline has this uh, animated background of her coming into her room. And going into her drawer, they point out at the very beginning, they show you her, actually, and then her animated background behind her. So it's like she comes into her room while she's, yeah. It's the way that you're introduced to this concept. And still, the characters mistake it when they don't know where Caroline is. And then they see her come into the room. And audience right away knows. But the characters, because they're all, you know, in heightened emotional states, are like, Caroline, Caroline.
2: Yeah, it's...
0: Or Caroline, I don't know which one she is.
2: Caroline. Caroline. Oh, there she is. Oh. Caroline. Hey, dude. Caroline. Yes, She's got her audio on. Caroline.
1: I think so.
2: Yeah. Hello, friend. Oh, wait, isn't this, isn't awesome. this her background?
0: Oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. Caroline, I don't think that they understand exactly what happens but we know her face gets like slammed into her laptop or whatever or her phone or whatever at this moment when they're like carolyn caro and then just face right into it and like oh right the animated background but what the fuck just happened to her and nobody knows it's just her background happening on loop
2: yeah so she keeps hitting the computer screen and we see that occasionally and you explained that Radina's boyfriend gets dropped from yes. the ceiling. And even though I obviously knew the boyfriend had been taken by the demon, I wasn't expecting that, and it did get me. And yes, this movie is just jump scares. But you know what? They get it's fun the, jump scares. They work sometimes. It's fun. Yeah. And again. It
0: this is a minimal commitment movie and it sucks you in and it's fun. It doesn't need to be like the height of the art, you know what I mean?
2: Then Teddy comes back on for seemingly no reason, and also, shouldn't he have had to be stuck in the participants?
0: Okay, yeah, so this is a thing that we talked about. Teddy comes back, and it's only Emma is the only one that's on this call with him, and yes, he doesn't enter into a waiting room, but again, we're not really going to talk about the Zoom idiosyncrasies. He is then attacked by the spirit. His wife is yanked up into the air. Her neck is snapped and she's dropped into the pool. He hides in like a barn or something. And then he gets knocked out and then set on fire and he dies. But he wasn't there for the summoning. So what the implication is, is that this ghost travels via the internet. This is an internet ghost, which is a little bit silly.
2: Yeah, it's very silly. And it sucks, cuz you had already set up the parameters of the rules of this ghost. And you can you can get me to believe pretty much anything. You really can.
0: All they needed to do was just have him present for the summoning of the yes. ghost for Gemma pretending, and then have him pulled away. Yes. And you would have solved this problem. Yes. But instead, you got you have a guy who'd never participated, who just joined a Zoom call, and then the ghost travels through Zoom and then kills his wife and him.
2: But presumably didn't go after Salen for some reason. Yes. Like, I'm very annoyed. <laughs> I'm very very annoyed. You can get me to believe a lot of things, but once you instill a rule, that's a rule. And you can't break that rule. And uh, you did.
0: Before this, actually, Gemma and Haley get into an argument over who's responsible for this. Gemma blames Haley for doing this whole thing in the first place. And Haley's like, me? You're the one I told to not be a fucking dipshit, and then you were a dipshit, and you summoned a fucking demon. It's I'm sorry, it is entirely Gemma's fault. <laughs> Gemma's the worst. <laughs> so after Teddy dies, Emma's the only one left, and this is when she throws the blanket on the shape, and, you know, we get to see the outline, and then she's attacked. Oh, yeah, no, she she's attacked, she tries to get out through her window... And then she throws her phone down or whatever, her laptop down on the ground, and it's perfectly pointed at a car or something or a table or something like that that her body just comes smashing down into because she's thrown out the window by the spirit. Yes, Gemma left the call
2: to run over to, to run over to house. Haley's
0: because Haley was pulled out of her room. She was yanked out of her room, and we see her break into the. Room where she was throwing rocks at the window earlier. She throws a big rock and shatters the window, which is a funny callback. And ends up finding Haley, and they do an elbow bump, which I thought was really fucking adorable.
2: I thought it was hilarious that to go out to save her friend who might be dying, she put a mask on.
0: <laughs> Commentary. <laughs> uh, so they're going through the room and Haley's got her Polaroid camera doing the flash thing, and then they get attacked. Right as the 40 minutes free Zoom trial ends. It closes the call. There's a 10-minute warning. This is totally not accurate to was the time. It not a 10-minute whatsoever. Situation. It was over 50 minutes long. Yeah, no. But fine, that was a cute way to end the uh, the movie, I thought. That was uh-huh. pretty fun. And then we get the credits, which is just a, a fucking participant list for the Zoom call. It was very cute. so fucking adorable. It was
2: really, really cute. There was also one last jump scare, which did get me.
0: Oh, the jump scare in front of Haley's camera right before the call
2: ends. Ends,
0: yeah. Uh-huh. And it got
2: me. I wasn't. I don't know how, why I wasn't expecting it.
0: Yeah. But yeah, we see a mouse scrolling through the participants list, and it's somebody who has had to... I, I don't know if you've done it this way, but who's had to do, like, roll... For Zoom, that's not how I. For ever a class, did roll, no. I I would have. Well, I'd also have to break people apart into breakout groups and decide who goes into what groups for. Oh, I had to do that. Workshops and things like that. So, like just that being very familiar with that, it is preying on all of our new exposure to video conferencing more than ever before, and Zoom in particular. And I think it was successful in capitalizing on that. Yes. Uh, You know, other than the issues it has with representing it faithfully, it's a fun experience. Yes. But that's it. There's not much to it. There's not much going on here. Like we say, it was just a practical joke that the creator, Rob Savage, played on his friends and then uploaded that. And everyone really liked that. So we parlayed that into a motion picture. And that's only 50 some odd minutes long. It's not long. There's not a lot of substance to it. It's just a fun... Experiment and playing around with the form, and I'd say it's worth it, despite how much you hate some things. It's fun, yeah. So, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey?
2: I already know, yes, it's a
0: hundred percent, 100%, because <laughs> ludicrous, <laughs> 100% of the people that reviewed the movie said they liked it. It's not a perfect movie, and that's what the hundred percent is. It says lean, suspenseful, and scary. Host uses its timely premise to deliver a nastily effective treat for horror enthusiasts. But it has a Metacritic of 73. So the actual average score is 73.
2: That makes way more sense.
0: Do you think 100 is overrated or underrated, Kelsey? It's way
2: overrated. Okay,
0: probably closer to the Metacritic average, right? Yes. What would you give it?
2: I will give it a 72.
0: Real close to the Metacritic average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this certainly is at least seventy level.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I might go a little bit higher. I'll give it a seventy-seven. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it it's small. It's non-committal. Not committal. It's not asking a lot of you, and what it delivers in exchange is proportionally pretty good. You know. So yeah, I think it's a upper half of the 70s. It's not an 80% or anything like that. They'd have to do more interesting things with the form and make it full length, maybe, for me to go any higher than that. But yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I would recommend it to anybody.
2: Well, there needs to be way more of a story, and like I said, the characters need to have fucking weight.
0: Yeah, can we have a background to what Haley's purpose is? You know, why she's doing this maybe a little bit more? How she knows Salen? Can we find out what happened to Salen? We need to, you know, for that clever ending where it's like your trial has expired, I guess because it's more relatable because more people are using it. She could just say she's using her work license,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and then you can explain away that. And then at the end of the movie, we could just be seeing the view through somebody else, not Haley. And it says this call was ended by the host. And then you get a nice call back to the title. Yeah. <laughs> It does a little countdown, too, for when that message goes away. And then, yeah, like, it's, why not? I don't see any reason why you couldn't. But also, this is a small, independent project that these people did on their own. They improvised a lot of it, although there was a script. They did improvise a lot. It was a really low effort, quick turnaround kind of thing, and I think they got pretty banging returns for it. Mm Mm-hmm. So that is our friend recommendation week. David, thank you very much for recommending Lake Placid from 1999 and Host from 2020.
2: Yeah, thank you, David. Sorry we didn't, you know, love them.
0: (laughs) I know. I think we we were okay on both of them, actually. (laughs) Uh, And uh, shout outs to Jesse who is getting some bed rest before the birth of her child. Yay. So we love you, Jesse, as well. What are we watching next week, Kelsey? It's the last week of October.
2: It's Halloween!
0: Yeah! Yes. You know what that means, folks. The one time a year, we watch the Halloween franchise. Yes. Ah, uh, where are we on our classic Halloween movies, Kelsey?
2: Crazy enough, we've been doing this for five years. We're on Halloween five.
0: We started with Halloween in our very first bunch of episodes.
2: We're... And our fifth year, that's nuts. We're
0: starting our fifth year, I think, yeah. Wow, that's crazy.
2: So yeah, Halloween 5 and Halloween
0: Kills. We are watching Halloween Kills because it has been released and it is available to watch at home. So... You can watch it on Peacock, I think, is where it's streaming. So, if you want to watch along with us, then that's great. You can see it in the theaters if that's your bag, or you can watch it on streaming. Either way, really excited that it came out in enough time for us to actually watch it on the show. Uh, and then hopefully the same thing will happen next year. Or is it going to take long to do Halloween no Ends? Idea about I think it's what it's called.
2: Ends, but we can do Halloween Kills with Halloween Five. And at the very least, We're doing it with the one that's like the last okay one of the original series. A lot
0: of people say this is where the movie is Garbagio. Yeah, this is where the
2: series (laughs) falls apart. Uh, Six is the absolute just, oh God, oh no. And that's what we might be watching with Halloween ends, which is kind of funny.
0: Yeah, we'll see.
2: We'll see. And then after that, we'll still have, we will still have H2O.
0: And Resurrection. And to do.
2: Resurrection. No one wants us to watch those
0: <laughs> Well, that's why we're putting them off uh, pretty far. Pretty far. So that is next week. It's our Halloween week. Oh, man, I'm so fucking excited.
1: <laughs>
0: so make sure you join us then. Until then, you can find us at our website, podcemetery.com, or on our Twitter, at podcemetery. Subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice. Don't forget to rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening in the G.B. first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words?
2: This cow disappoints me! Oh my god, Tall Tale is so good. <laughs> is that on Disney Plus? I want to watch that.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Got those apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur, with the fur. Get the whole club <laughs> looking at her. She hit the flow. Next thing you know, shoulda got low, 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 low. She got them Reeboks with the strap. Turn around and give that big booty a slap. Hold on. You are not ready for quiet time. Is that part? You're, you're a liar. Is that not quiet? I can hear it over here, and I can see it on the thing. <laughs> On the waveform. It's okay. <laughs> now I gotta wait for the bird to pass.
2: Did you just call a plane a bird?
0: Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't focusing on it. My brain was just like, thing, fly in sky, make noise.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You sure you don't want to be a pilot from the 20s?
0: (laughs) Do you think 73 is overrated or underrated? I'm going to put down 70. No, no, we always do the Rotten Tomato score. Let me write down a note that says 73 Metacritic for when we talk about this at the end of the year because this will definitely be on an end of the year list.
2: (laughs) This cow disappoints me!
0: Ah! Great. Love it. That was a good one.